Welcome to episode 47 of the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and how about that Brandon Vasquez for the U.S. Men's National Team, huh? We called it. We called it. He scores. We recorded this episode before that game happened, but I'll mention it here in the intro. And boy, did you hear it here first, huh? But we've got a very full episode for you in part one. It's all things FC Cincinnati preseason and roster construction in part two on the media, including a very special book discussion. And in part three, it's in the 11 out of the 18. And that will be your episode 46 of the postcast. On joining me to talk about all of that and more, we've got the usual crew, we've got the chief, we've got Grayson. Grayson, would you be willing to murder an innocent person if it would end hunger in the world? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, like, how, how, so, big is, how big is this person? How big is this person so, you're killing if you can feed everyone? Yeah, it's a hunting expedition, yes. <laughs> so, so you, you have to, if you don't say yes, you're a moral coward, right? It's an interesting question because to me, it's asking, are you willing to take on an immoral act for it's the ultimate does does the uh, the ends justify the means question? And I think yeah. if you start expanding the end so far, it's interesting what means you're willing to justify. Yeah. So the the issue is, right. What do I have a duty? Yeah. You're a to do here. like yeah. I think most people think about like. God, I, this has been so fucking long since I've like had to talk in like these terms. But it's like what, like negative duties. Like you have a duty yes. not to, not to do things. Like you have a duty to refrain from you know killing another yes. person. Um, and a lot of people say you don't necessarily have positive duties. Like you don't have a positive duty to, to go out of your world. way to like yeah. feed somebody or feed the world, right? Um, but alternatively, you know, like. <laughs> just from a purely utilitarian standpoint. And I guess this is like the ultimate effective altruism, right? The coal baron donating to right. charity times it's a like, billion. Emmanuel Kant is just twitching in his grave somewhere at this conversation, but. So this, I will say, uh, this came from a recently rediscovered book in my collection called The Book of Questions. And question number 26, I, I had to dig it back up it caused the most longest fights in the kitchen I used to work in. Just everybody screaming at each other that their interpretation of this question was wrong. There were lots of conditions, like you weren't allowed to tell this person why you were murdering them. That was a big question. Was, well, oh, the, can I tell them? Isn't the <laughs> isn't the biggest question here with this is um, whether or not the afterlife is real? Because if it it's does, just a yeah. if, if it's just a question of I got to kill this person to feed everyone. That's a balancing act of, you know, a lot here versus one here. And it's very much a, a type of, you know, utilitarian question right there. But if there's like eternal damnation is on the table and you right. are going to have to be damned for all time for doing this act, if we establish that killing an innocent is always something that results in damnation and you can't counterbalance 
the happiness of trillions versus the innocent <laughs> life of one, then that's an awfully big ask of me personally. And my question would be, well, why not you? If it's such a great idea, you do it. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Why, why isn't the asker doing this? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I was gonna. I was actually gonna complain that 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 chief threw too many questions because one of my one of my like I guess ground rules whenever this type of thing comes up and people are like, okay, well, here's a hypothetical question. Yeah. Um, is is I think it's really only fun if you take the question on its own terms versus like adding all types of additional like caveats and conditions to it. Um, but, you know, alternatively, you could say like, if you were talking about the afterlife, right, that does also change the calculation for the person you're killing and for um, the rest of the world who is starving because like, yeah, depends on what type of afterlife you're conceiving, right? Because if everybody dies and goes into eternal bliss paradise, then maybe everybody should starve faster. Right. So, yes, if you're you know? promising a better, higher quality of physical life, are you then allowing people more opportunities to be tempted away from that was a life the other that thing otherwise... I was going to suggest yeah. is like, what if the person you're telling me to kill, they, if they're innocent, right? They might do something tomorrow that makes them not innocent. It's a good and, question. You know, but if they're innocent as we're standing today, like just went to confession, fully absolved, had no impure thoughts on the way over here, you know, let's do them a favor. You yeah, know, just let's, like let's nip, express nip the blood, and then I'll go to confession. Yeah, express lane all the way straight up to the afterlife that everyone's seeking to get a hold of here. Because the, like, uh, if, if yeah. the afterlife is truly bliss, then <laughs> I'm sacrificing my chance of that just to give the people on Earth like what? Like if you ba counterbalance infinity with the average human lifespan, like a nanosecond, a blink of an eye worth of less suffering, like what does that even matter at the end of the day if everybody's going to the good place? as it stands right now. So the other question I would want to know here, and I know this is going to piss Grayson off because Grayson hates questions, is I think it's really important to know the person you're killing, what team he supports. Because if it's a Columbus crew fan, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good the morality's point. out the window. Just the world's Actually, better off with one less of them. To me, that only changes it of whether I want them to see it coming or not. <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a crew fan, if it's a crew fan, I want him to, I want him to see me look right. me in the eye. I want, I want the last thing. The, the last thing I want him to see is the Mercy Health logo directly in front of him as his brains get blown out. And I'm like, congratulations on ending world hunger. And oh, by the way, come on, USCC. <laughs> I would three. I would 3D print an orange and blue gun for that. <laughs> or with or with the real pro move this might be a real psycho way to take this conversation with the real pro move be to do it in his sleep where you slowly put the pillow down whispering cincinnati oh, here no. we go the last thing they hear is ready set go <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that just but that like you're assuming that they're dreaming and you're making them dream of it they can be conscious and you're you're certain <laughs> right remove all doubt 
In terms of uh, moral culpability, I'm going to say if you know something about this person that you don't like, I think that makes you more guilty. I know that doesn't really make sense, but I no, feel I like if you, have, I think if you have some degree of wanting to do it, then I think you, you get an extra black mark on your record. I do think that that's right, because it needs to be like a purely, because if you, you could make an argument that it needs to be like a purely selfless act. So the only, if the only thing you know is it's a life um, is it's is it's is it's a life and doing it you know will relieve world hunger which we're assuming going back to the afterlife question is a good thing yeah that see this is the other piece of the hypothetical that was always debated in the kitchen was well wouldn't that just put such a burden on the food production industry and supply lines that it would it would actually decrease food for everybody and i just had to no, say no because no, 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 the, no, the no, question no, no. says you can magic. end world hunger yeah yeah the question says you can end world hunger yeah you can't then say like what if it doesn't no, right. right. That's not part of the question. <laughs> right. You can't presuppose this is like a, a genie parable where like the thing you're wishing for actually isn't like ending world hunger yes. just means that everyone's mouths are sealed shut and no one can actually <laughs> eat anything then at that point. It's not going to be right. one of those like monkey paw wishes or anything like that. So like what if you took this hypothetical and like drilled it down a little bit into like some lower stakes? Like would you knock a completely innocent person unconscious just on the street out of nowhere if it guaranteed FCC a MLS Cup? <laughs> Ooh. like it, it has to be a completely innocent bystander you've just got to go up and cold cock them knowing they are going to be out before they even hit the ground and they have just been knocked unconscious but you are guaranteeing this year fcc will hoist the cup i'm not gonna do it because i think that it's unnecessary i think we're winning <laughs> anyway baby <laughs> can you put a price on that guarantee though <laughs> one concussion yes <laughs> would, would the would the season be less fun if you knew if you know going into it hey How people rewatch like, movies <laughs> no everyone is like celebrating and going crazy around you and you're just in the stadium with this incredibly guilty conscience like all of their happiness is because some 82-year-old woman was unconscious on Main Street. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, she was just waiting for a bus or something like that, and you just cold cocked her. Because obviously you're going to pick someone that's not going to be able to fight back, because you you got to make sure they go down after the first punch. That's a you're good. talking you know, about children and the elderly. There are segments of the FC Cincinnati fan base that I don't want any credit for making them feel happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they feel happy at the same time as me by coincidence, that's fine fair and of if course, you know the, the you're person, giving them happiness yeah the person we're talking about of course is the person that was ranting about anti-government solutions for parking in the last episode so <laughs> well, we don't want to make that man happy was, i think it was thinking about the dude who was tweeting uh racist stuff at fc cincinnati players during the black lives matter protest <laughs> but dave <laughs> flexner the, o- the only guy the only one in the fan base with yep, those kinds of the opinions one. don't yeah. worry dave flexner is hearing this conversation and saying i really need to know what the person looks like before i can answer this question <laughs> no, dave, no. <laughs> i mean statistically he's he's got pretty good odds you know based on based on the population of the world oh, oh. 
Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad I could get us off to a very soccer start here on the uh, on the postcast. Um, <clears throat> yes, if, if anybody else wants another uh, question from the book of questions, if you tweet at me a random number between 1 and 200, I will send you back the question from the book and you have to answer it. Um, anyway, how about that FC Cincinnati, huh? <laughs> Uh, a couple of different ways we can go with this. Uh, I will say we are recording this before the United United States men's national team faces off against Colombia. I don't have the game up in front of me. I think they play Serbia Columbia first. Serbia, Serbia first. first. Okay. Well, uh, before Serbia, uh, Chief, you had the brilliant idea to let's let's pre-write some headlines here for uh, Vasquez and Celentano as. One or both, hopefully, make their debuts in this game. Uh, what are we? What are we hoping to read? What will obviously be front page news in the Cincinnati Inquirer? Um, I'm going to say, being realistic, Vasquez shines but doesn't score. Um, I think that what we're going to see from Vasquez is, he, I think he's going to start. I think he'll play well. I think he'll have a couple of opportunities, maybe one that gets denied uh, by some yeah. good goalkeeping. But um, I think the headline for the game will be Vasquez shines, doesn't score. And as for Roman, I don't know that Roman's going to play. Um, it's a lot harder if you're a goalkeeper to make that kind of a prediction, obviously, because you're exponentially less likely to get subbed on right. at some point from the goalkeeping position. But I think Vasquez is going to do well. I think he's highly motivated. Um, I think that strikers tend to be informed faster than defenders do um, in terms of organization. I don't know what lineup Serbia is taking to this game. Um, whenever I hear Serbia, I'm reminded of my great-grandmother who was from the old country and who passed along only one piece of wisdom, and that was never trust Serbians. Serbians carry knives. Um, <laughs> famously racist, my great-grandmother. <laughs> is it because they're Serbian or because they carry knives they shouldn't be trusted? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, my mother's side of the family, they knew how to say I surrender in, like, eight different languages. They were constantly a part of some empire or another. Um, but, yeah, I think Vasquez is going to play well. I hope he plays well. He certainly earned it. And I like the fact that they're uh, – they're featuring him in a lot of media in the build-up to this in terms of media availability, interviews, right. and uh, that leads me to believe he's going to get a good shift here. Yeah. Grayson, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's fair to say we see Vasquez, probably not Celentano. What sort of performance are we expecting? Uh, well, I think – Yeah. So I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the headline second. But um, to, to Chief's point, um, I think it's important not to jump to conclusions – on on Vasquez after one game. Gonna, I thought you were going to say it's important not to jump to conclusions on Serbians. They've had their chance. They know what they did. <laughs> uh, but um, I think it's important not to jump to too many conclusions. I mean, this is his first time in the national team. It's a very weird camp. There's no yeah. coach. Um, and uh, you know, he's going to be playing in a different kind of style in formation than he's been playing all last season with FC Cincinnati. Um, and I just know that, and I mean this less for like listeners of the pod. So I want you all to be vigilant for this type of thing. U.S. men's national team fans can be extremely 
extremely quick to draw conclusions and react. Like, yes, I remember people had totally written off Anthony Robinson because (laughs) he didn't because he didn't dominate Diego Costa or or (laughs) sorry, Douglas Douglas Costa. Yeah. When when Douglas Costa was like still really, really good. And Anthony Robinson was like a 19 year old in his first cap with the national team. I mean, people, this is one reason why you call people into camps, right? Like you give them a chance to 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 transition in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you see people bad mouthing Brandon, uh, you know, hit the fight button, um, dog pile them, show them, yeah. show tag them, me. Uh, tag you know, me. You know, call out your uh, your inner Eli Apple, right? <laughs> show them show them where you're from is what I'm saying. Let them know you're here. Word number one. And this before is how you, we before, do it where I'm from. Before you get into your headline, also just to add on to that point, Grayson, it's not just that U.S. men's national team fans and U.S. men's national team Twitter is quick to judge. They are especially quick to judge MLS players. Like the, yeah. there is a huge, enormous subset of the national team fan base that are vehemently and virulently anti-MLS. And mm-hmm. anyone that is an MLS player on the national team is immediately judged as not good enough to be there, wasting the roster spot of someone who should be there from a bigger club or from someplace in Europe. And there is zero patience for MLS talent on the national team. Yep. Um, so for my... For my my I think the big story is gonna be um Roman does make his debut Ooh. under somewhat controversial circumstances. Um he <laughs> there's a he says to Anthony Hudson, You're not the coach of me. And he he confuses him because as we all know, Anthony Hudson, uh not a great coach, not a lot of success. Yes. Uh probably easily confused. And I think Roman probably so. spent, spends a lot of the game convincing him that it's like make your own subs, like men's league. And Roman just <laughs> somewhere around the 75th or 76th minute um, just calls out Sean Johnson and says, like, you know, I'm, I'm in now. You've you've you have to you have to sub out or we're going to sub or we're going to sub you out. Is there any value in playing Sean Johnson in any of these games? I, I mean, I'll tell you what I would do. I would start Sean Johnson. I would play Sean Johnson a half each game and play Gaga a half of a game and Roman a half of a game. I like that idea. These friendlies, there should be a, I mean, I understand friendlies are a lot more relaxed rules and everything, but as part of the relaxed rules for friendlies, there absolutely should be a provision where if you want at the half to make a swap of goalkeeper, it shouldn't count against anything. I don't think there's a limit on subs in these friendlies. They usually agree to a number of subs beforehand, but that number can be like seven or nine or something, but they'll agree to a number ahead of time. Um, Either way, yeah. there's no, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. reason why any goalkeeper in a friendly should play more than a half if you're trying to get through the roster and look at people. Because you got to yeah. realize like you're taking people away from preseason. I mean, I know they've, they're in training, but, you know, Roman's going to miss, I think, two preseason friendlies. Yeah. Uh, well, with the national team, and I think the time with the national team is important, but with these games truly don't matter. No. I yeah, think it's I mean, fair to make sure everybody gets some run. I, I mean, to your point, too, it's you're pulling people away from their club duties. And what is the most important part of getting run in the national team right now? Honestly, 
other than if you can put some great film out there, it's FaceTime with the coaching staff and getting the coaching staff comfortable with you. And what was the horse shit we heard from Burhalter as to why people weren't (laughs) called in September? It was like, well, we have chemistry to think about. Well, you know, if you're not, if we don't know who the coach is and Burhalter isn't in this camp and it does indeed end up being Greg Burhalter going forward, then everyone who got called in for the first time in this camp, it's like they didn't even exist in the mind of Burhalter because he didn't get a chance to interact with them. He didn't get a chance to see him. And we've <laughs> right. learned that one of the key criteria for Greg with multiple G's is whether or not he likes you, trusts you and thinks he can work with you. Yeah. He, this is an expanding pool camp. Yeah. No. He's, he struggles with yeah. object permanence. If yeah. something isn't in front of him, if he didn't witness it, then it's, uh, it, it's possible. It doesn't exist in his universe. Um, <clears throat> Oh my gosh. I had a question for you guys and it just completely uh escaped me. I mean <clears throat> Oh, that's what it was. Does Greg Berhalter watch this game in the stadium? Is he in the stadium? I don't think so. No. I think that the as long as you are under an investigation, unless unless he thinks the fix is in and that this is all just really a sham, maybe, but even then I would think that he or his people would be smart enough to tell him stay full away until the, the heat on this dies down and you'll be back. But the only thing that you can do that would harm your chances of coming back is to act like you think this all isn't serious and this is all some kind of a joke. <laughs> and yeah. he can't be around for for if no other reason other than optics. And I like I'm not this is not me saying what should happen with the investigation, what should happen with this job. But if you're really doing an investigation, which they've come out and said they're doing, he can't be out like enjoying a game with the people in charge of U.S. soccer. Right, right. I, I'm thinking in my mind he just buys a lay person's ticket somewhere. But yeah, I guess at that point you'd probably rather watch it on TV. Uh, no, I uh, I really wish he had been in Dortmund when uh, uh, Reina scored that goal just so that there could be a camera cut to him either being happy or like weirdly frustrated i don't know i really wish we had gotten his reaction to that live um so yeah so there you go we've got roman and we've got vasquez uh i guess my headline is the two of them will combine for three goals in this game against serbia and uh i don't know which combination of player will score goals but i think the the two of them will combine for three goals in this game um speaking of camps FC Cincinnati is off to Florida. They are in their preseason camp. Roster came out. Not a ton of surprises. Obviously, Celentano and Vasquez were not uh, in the camp because they are with the U.S. Men's National Team. But there were a couple of weird inclusions and exclusions. Uh, For one, Kenneth Vermeer, not with the team. We finally got official word that he has been allowed to pursue other opportunities, although... I believe he is still under contract with this team unless they formally exercise the option to buy out his contract. So I think they are desperate for him to find work in the Netherlands, but he is not on this team and also not on this team. But in this roster, Santiago uh, Aris, Aris, Aries, Aris. I don't know how to I don't know how to um, I don't know how to say that name. Anyway, Arias. he's what is it? 
I think it's Arias. 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 All yeah. right. Santiago Arias uh, is with the team. He's not signed. Uh, Albright was asked about this in a press conference. He gave a little coach 101 speak, uh, wasn't really committed, but said he liked what he saw from him. Uh, Grayson, any, anything interesting on this roster that I, I might have missed here? So um, given how little news comes out from the team directly, it is left to us to just uh, overanalyze, dissect, and read into yes. everything that that is put out. And so I think it's important to to go through the specific words that Noonan used please, today. Please. Okay. <laughs> I like Hit me. So what Noonan said was, we have a good relationship with the agent. And so Santi's been with us, you know, staying fit. And he's been excellent with the group. You know, you can certainly see his qualities as a player. You know, he had been off for quite some time, integrated himself very well, a very good pro. So at the moment, we're just happy to have him in with the group. Now, the first thing I zoomed in on, centered in on with that, was a good relationship with the agent. Yes. So I was like, okay, who, who <laughs> from this agency have we uh, either had or um, could have? Could have, right? And so uh, Arias' uh, agency is the Sports Entertainment Group, it's an Amsterdam based agency that does primarily. Um, Dutch players, it looks like, but they do have um, Matthias Klitsch, who just signed for DC United. Mm. Um, and actually, interestingly, John Jonathan Osorio, who plays for Toronto FC. Um, huh. I don't know if he's got a European move coming or something, but uh, I just thought that was that was interesting. Um, but like some big players like Cody Gakpo, uh, Daily Blind, um, Robin Van Persie is has used them um pep guardiola uses that agency uh manchester united's eric ten Hag, and uh the first fc cincinnati connection i came across was actually a coach ron yachts hey hey <laughs> <laughs> old uncle ron so I was like, that, can't ron. Be, that can't be the source of a good relationship with the agent um but or maybe I, the uh, agent's like really cool with it it's like oh yeah Mistakes happen. That's okay. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. Do 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 do, do any of the FC Cincinnati's owners like still have shares in Twente, or is that is that over? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that we've ever gotten a clear answer about what the formal connection was or wasn't. This is the only thing that I can draw a line to is FC Cincinnati joined USL on the Dayton Dutch Lions USL League license that became the Cincinnati Dutch Lions that FC Cincinnati then purchased that license off of them. That team, the Dutch Lions, and there's a couple of them. There's one in Houston. There's one in Brazil. That is owned by FC Twenty, Twente or whatever. Uh, and it was my understanding that they retained some minority ownership stake in FC Cincinnati. And nobody's ever been explicit about that. Nobody's ever said that they sold their shares. I know that there was an ownership shakeup 
I think the second year of MLS where they sold a few more shares and a bunch of the minority owners got out, especially the USL owners. But yeah, I, I had know. heard that those I had I had heard those guys were out yeah. as well, but I'm nothing through nothing like that I would say was right, was because the, you know solid or, or fact. But because the the way it worked was MLS bought out all of the branding and information from FC Cincinnati in an entirely new ownership group that was mostly right. the same people as the original FC Cincinnati was offered an opportunity to buy into MLS. So I don't think that they were under any obligation to carry the entire ownership group forward to MLS. I think it was a pick and choose who gets to make the jump and everybody else gets cashed out forcibly at that point. Yeah. And whenever there's ownership stakes that move around, like when Meg Whitman purchased her valuation, I mean, a lot of times some of that ownership stake is coming from these minority guys who are cashing out. So it's very possible they got out then or before then or during the MLS move. I just think there's a number of weird 20 connections like Ron Jans went to immediately coach there, which is like, I don't know. And is there now. Yeah. And like, maybe it made sense for those guys to go there, but like awfully convenient if you were trying to move a contract from one entity to another and you owned both. Like, <laughs> uh, But um, they also are uh, Jurgen Lakadia's agents, which, uh... you know, that would make more sense about having a pretty good um, relationship. Except, yeah. that, um, I... except that like most of these contracts were done prior to Albright being there so if anyone you would think right. would have the relationship you would have thought it would have been Nykamp in the previous regime there's or one Birdie. there's one holdover and it's hunter freeman <laughs> oh yeah hunter freeman hunter freeman he's their could international be, scout so he would yeah. be the relationship palm greaser here um and just like a kind of a fun fact i found out about arias that got my conspiracy juices flowing please there was a ton of uh, there's a lot of reporting you can find from like last September that um, Manchester United was going to sign him and that Eric Ten Hag specifically was really pushing for the move. Ooh. And they have the same agent. I huh. wonder if I wonder if it was just something the agents pushed and it was like collusion between like Ten Hag and his agents to make it look like their guy was under demand because you can't find anything about <laughs> about like why that didn't go through or even reporting that it didn't go through. It would just it just disappears from from the ether uh, at, at, as of like September 24th. Yeah. Well, I mean, why happen. wouldn't all the time? Why wouldn't you if you're the manager and your agent's like, hey, can you do me a solid and say somewhere or leak to someone that you're interested in this guy? And yeah. then that gets repeated around and all of a sudden it's like, oh. Manchester United's interested. Now we better be kicking the tires on this guy to find out what they're seeing that we're not. Have a, yeah, just dr randomly drop his name in a, uh, in a post uh, practice press conference. Oh, you know, you know, we, we like the crew we've got going into the season, still looking to reinforce it right back. You know, there's a couple options out there. So uh, Santiago Arias is, uh, is looking good. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Manchester so if, United. If, if we were, if we were better journalists, if we were just journalists in general, it would probably be interesting to find out who Chris Albright's agent is and figure out if he represents anyone that are players and see if there's ever an overlap Ooh. between who's rumored to be interested in FC Cincinnati and who's repping for the uh, the GM. I will just go ahead question. and say 
Ray Gaddis's agent is the same <laughs> as, as Chris Albright's agent. Also, he's he's doing it all wrong. He's actually signing the guy. He's not like play, he's not playing it up. So like I that mean, quote that yeah. quote about Junior about um Arius, like Am I the only one that read that and thought to myself, this sounds a lot more like we're doing a favor to help him get in shape than that we have any real interest in signing him, that this is an opportunity for him to train with a team in the middle of the year because it's already mid-season over in Europe. So he yeah. can come over here, he can get some work in, you know, put some film out there, get some good word from the FC Cincinnati people ahead of a move back to wherever he wants to go. I think you could see that there for sure. Um, it and I know I know Noonan is the one who injected the relationship with the agent into the answer. Yeah. But like the relationship simply can't be that good. Like like <laughs> like yeah, they know each other, but like what is there's there's there have to be like other agents that they have a closer relationship with. Like they have other players that have like multiple agents and players who, you know, I think Yeah. Spent more time and and like the chief said, whether Arius is training with the team is seems like to me like it would be a Albright Noonan call, and they have no history with like Lacadia and, or, and Yance. or or what about have we looked to see if there is someone else in this agency's representation who might be a striker who they might be targeting and lining up for a move to Cincinnati when say a certain Brazilian striker may or may not be on his way out of town and they're just greasing the wheels ahead of a potential future deal for someone that might be our next dp signing this summer yeah i mean if cody gakpo wants to come play here i'm <laughs> i'm all i'm all for it he's Let's torn go. between liverpool and fc cincinnati he just can't uh, make up some, his mind there's, there's some center backs there's some center backs here i wouldn't mind i i mean i feel like it is weird. Like this guy is very good, and at one point was seen as a future superstar, but he's not a superstar. I, I don't think he's a former teammate with anybody on the team. I don't know what's in it for like Alvis Powell to have this guy on the roster so, or Matt Miazga. Like I, I don't mean, know what anybody's I mean, like, he was. Is. He was teammates with Sem Young, Jurgen Lakadia, and. Uh, Teton. That's fascinating no. news from two years I ago. Hate, I hate all of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, but I mean, it, it, Occam's razor at this point, it, it's if they were really going to sign him, they've already seen him. They've seen him work. They're taking him to camp. If he's not signed going into camp, it's for one of two reasons. Either they don't intend to sign him or there's yeah. some like there's some other reason why he's in, in camp right now. And if they were going to sign him and he was healthy, they'd have signed him by now. There would already be ink to paper or there would be some quote about we're working through the details. But to say that he's working with us, he's training with us, the simplest explanation to me is he's just using this as a Planet Fitness membership with the orange and blue. Do we yeah, not have his discovery rights? And oh, that maybe, could be a hangout. Maybe we're trying to work out a deal with whoever... As is right. I don't but know. But if we were going to do that, why would we bring him to camp and show him off? If you were trying to like get the discovery rights, you would do this quietly right. before anyone knew that you were really interested. But now if I'm a team that's got his discovery rights and I'm seeing him going to camp unsigned, 
the price is going up. It's like, well, <laughs> well, maybe that was the case. And him getting out via those weird training photos with un, <laughs> unclear origins was an absolute mistake. And now this really threw a monkey wrench in the negotiations. And now somebody's got us by the balls because he has signed. I don't know. He's agreed to personal terms with us, but we've got to work out some MLS mechanism. And I'll just assume it's DC United holding these discovery rights hostage. Here. Because it always is. Now, that's an so interesting if, question. Do we know if if somebody else has your discovery rights, can they still train with the team while they're waiting for that deal to be worked out? He's a free agent, so I think yes. He just can't get paid by us or the entity right. representing we us can't, or whatever. We can't sign him, and I, I assume that we would need to come to some agreement with the team with his discovery rights that we would that we're allowed to approach him and talk to him. Yeah. Like give them a heads up that we want to talk to this guy. Um, my, my question for you, chief is if he plays in the preseason friendly on Friday, does that, does that change how you're thinking about whether, whether they think about, they're thinking about signing him or not? I think if he plays in the preseason friendly and they haven't signed him yet to me, if I'm him, I wouldn't play in a preseason friendly if I was, if I didn't have a contract. I mean, this is if he does and they haven't announced the signing. What do you think? What do you think that indicates? I think to me, he signed a contract. <laughs> I don't think it indicates anything. I think it possibly indicates that, like, you know, maybe they're working out personal terms for a contract. But if he's just getting his work in a preseason friendly versus training, I mean, I've, I've watched these games on the bootleg, awful streams they've had in the past. No one's going full speed in the first couple <laughs> of preseason games. Right. And. You know, if it keeps getting later in the year, like later in the the the, the winter, or like, like when I say later, fuck, like the season's <laughs> starting in four weeks. If it, right, if we're sitting here on Valentine's Day and he's still training, okay, they're probably there's probably something that they are waiting on doing. They're waiting on discovery rights to clear, or they need to make a roster move to free up some you know God knows what Dungeons and Dragons fun bucks in order to <laughs> make the contract work. But as of right now, like, no, I, I, I still think the, the way that quote reads and the fact that he's still unsigned makes it look like they are doing him a favor and his agent a favor by allowing him to be here. And it's not progressing towards a signing. It's just the favor will continue until the favor is no longer needed. Yeah, and that might be right. The only the only other thing I would say in response to that is I don't see any reason why we would be at the top of the list of teams that would be doing him a favor. Um, right. And he could be training with any number of clubs around the world. There's some stuff on Twitter about, you know, uh, Mil Milenarios in Colombia, where he's from. Um, having some interest or contact with him. And so it just, if yeah. it's pure, if it's purely a workout, that seems, that seems weird to me. Unless we also find out we're getting like a big center back that this agency represents or something. I mean, it's no, it's <laughs> no less weird than a dude of his pedigree continuing to train and possibly play preseason games with, no logical, rational explanation for why he's unsigned. Um, well, the, the logical explanation would be 
um, they're working on a discovery rights deal or MLS is slow walking the paperwork that they always seem to do with our signings. Yeah. The other thing too, though, about the discovery rights is that I always, maybe it's just me and I'm misremembering, which is, you know, obviously the case with the amount of alcohol I consume. Um, it feels like whenever there's a situation like this, we already know from some reporter somewhere, there's a discovery rights issue. And the fact that nothing has come out about there being a discovery rights issue with this guy, like, I feel like there that would get out some way at this point for as long as he's been in camp at this point. So what about, what about this then? Okay. Uh, Felipe Cardenas, I believe was the first uh, U S reporter to report that Santiago Arias was training with FC Cincinnati. Yeah. He's, he's keyed in with Atlanta United. Um, mm. That's where he's got sources. So what if Atlanta says, go ahead and leak that, go ahead and leak that, that he's training with them. We have the discovery rights. We don't want you to publish that. Um, but it'll, it'll put some pressure. It's that, you know, pe- their fans and people know publicly. Why don't we just slide into his DMs and ask this? I feel like this would be a real easy question to get an answer to. <laughs> Mamey. Joe. <laughs> get on it. Uh, another teammate of that was a 2018 PSV team, Andreas Guardado, currently with Real Betis, 36 years old, Mexican international center back. I mean, Hefe Cameron, Cameron. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if he shares the same agent, but if we're just picking guys from that team, let's go, baby. You could do a lot worse than that. Um, we mentioned the discovery rights. We should probably say our goodbyes to the allocation order. Uh, goodbye. It is left us MLS rule. Another one of Chief's favorite D&D rules is F's in the no chat. longer... <laughs> you, you no longer have to roll for initiative right. to uh, see if you're able to sign a the allocation former MLS player. Yes. Roll the natural one. <laughs> it is no longer with us. I've never played a minute of Dungeons and Dragons, by the way. I, I, everything I say about Dungeons and Dragons is entirely based on what I believe the game is like. And so if you're out there, don't slide into the mentions. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like most things on this podcast, I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about on this. I think you would really enjoy it. As somebody who enjoys assuming a uh, pseudonym and and being boisterous, I feel like I feel like you'd fit right in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna miss the allocation list because it yeah. make, it it makes MLS just a little less MLSy, and I have embraced fully the MLSness of MLS and all of its weird <laughs> roster construction tools and its weird rules and draconian processes by which players get assigned to try and preserve the competitive balance. I, I, what, what really has helped me embrace it is realizing that everything about MLS pisses off pro rel people, especially the <laughs> rules that maintain the competitive balance. So yes. the rules are very anti pro rel and therefore I must love them unconditionally. <laughs> the enemy of my uh, yeah. enemy is my friend. <laughs> I mean, the, al- the allocation list got us Matt Miazga. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I can't. And I can't be Nick happy. Haglund. It's gone. And Nick That's Haglund. true. That's and our Nick starting backline right now. <laughs> <laughs> the oh. um, it's it's the other thing too about the allocation list that I, I just love is I love that we use it for rent seeking behavior last year. Just so okay, we'll throw this out to the crowd. Yeah. What killed the allocation order? Is it that Chris Albright scammed 
what, like almost close to half a million dollars in Gam Tam last year by constantly yep. just renting the number one spot out? Or is it because LAFC is at the bottom of the list and that just won't do? <laughs> well, I can tell you that Jim Curtin clearly thinks that Chris Albright killed it because he yes. put on Instagram that Chris Albright killed the allocation <laughs> order. And uh, Chris Albright's, Albright's wife was in the comments laughing. <laughs> so <laughs> it does it does certainly appear that Albright probably killed it just for demonstrating a way to abuse the shit out of it and I think it was the threat of St. Louis doing the same thing is what killed it. It was that Albright laid the uh, laid the groundwork out there so that was good. If Albright de- uh, if Albright killed the allocation list this is just an allocation order. This is just another reason. And as much as I love the allocation list allocation order and all the mls rules i love chris albright more i love this guy mm-hmm. i'm sorry like this is my guy now everything about him <laughs> he's philly to the core he's exploiting a loophole in the game he's pissing people off i love it this is like the uh, the nhl coach who has like 15 rules in the rule book about him because he kept finding weird loopholes, like trying to make a little wall of snow on the goal line so that <laughs> slow shots couldn't go past it as easily. <laughs> or um, my, my recent favorite one, not to do with anything that we've talked about already, but the, uh, the John Harbaugh punt play at the end of the Bengals game a couple of years ago, yes. where just held and tackled everyone to run the clock out. I love anything like that where they, where any team or any person exploits a rule loophole and it is immediately closed before like the final whistle is blown. Like there's already a memo out. No, you're not allowed to do this. Stop doing this. Yeah. (laughs) Belichick with his uh, weird unannounced lineman as eligible receivers moves. (laughs) Glorious stuff. Um, Is there anything else about FC Cincinnati we're missing? I feel like there was another piece of this. They're in Florida. They're going to then leave Florida and then go back to Florida. No, later? I think they're actually staying in Florida this whole time. Okay, they've done they've done that before, but I just checked the preseason schedule. They're there until February seventeenth. Can you believe that? Um, you believe that with by the time this podcast releases, it'll be less than a month of the season starting. <laughs> I mean, we'll touch on this more in part two, but. Does MLS do the worst job of hyping up a new season of all of the leagues? The answer is yes. (laughs) All of the leagues. It's terrible. Why isn't there? Why don't we know the kits of the teams? The teams have known these kits for legitimately two years. Why would you not do a pre-order before Christmas? I don't know. Throw it out there. Then maybe you have an idea of the numbers that would be useful for manufacturing these kits. Um, They are shirts. They're T-shirts with interesting fabric. It doesn't take that long to make a kit, and yet MLS has six-month back orders all the time. Uh, Bizarre. Just absolutely bizarre. I don't know. It's a weird league. It is. uh, It's a weird league. There we go. That's going to do it for part one. Part two, as we've alluded to, we're going to talk about the media on the media. That's right. We're going after them. There's a little soccer blog book club. It's a it's a Cliff Notes soccer blog book club. No, sorry. That's coming up in part three in the 11 out of the 18. I'm very excited about Grayson's in the 11 out of the 18. That's all I can say. Uh, but part two, let's let's do a little media dive. And 
we're back. One day there will be an ad break there, and that is the day we will have sold out. Isn't that nice to think yeah, about? If, you, if you've got a business, slide into the DMs. We will do your ad read for quite literally almost nothing. Yeah, I can I do mean, an ad for you right now. Uh, Michter's Rye. You can drink it. <laughs> this is uh, for the country, Defy Tradition, Double Hop New England IPA from Country Boy Brewing, powering this podcast for the chief. Some Walmart water bottle is got is got me going uh, through this podcast. You dry January loser. <laughs> Honestly, if I wasn't spending the uh, the fifteen minutes before recording frantically trying to get my computer back on the internet, I probably would have poured myself a glass. It's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, what do I've got? I've got some Old Forester uh, hundred proof upstairs. That's that's what I would have been getting into. Uh, no, we're, we're oh yeah. Uh, now. We've got a couple of pieces here to to tackle with the media, some bones to pick, but I like this one. Start us off a little easy uh, from Barstool Football. I think we can move through this one pretty quickly. Name your club's best ever player, worst ever player, best value money signing, biggest flop, and player who never reached his potential. Best ever player is Lucho, Yes. Uh, yeah, but to yeah. be controversial, I'll say Brandon Vasquez. Ooh. Worst uh, ever player. I mean, I don't want to do the man dirty, but it, it's clearly Michael Malay, as we've learned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he played against uh, the Premier League and acquitted himself at least decently, I think. That's uh, worth something. T- Tommy, Tommy Heineman. Tommy Heineman. He, he actively hurt the club, if you want to look at it from that perspective. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go with, uh, I, I'll say Fernando Addy. It's me. I mean, he's certainly the biggest flop. That's a DP that sure. flops does a lot of damage to your yeah. team. Yeah, it's hard to not say Tommy Heineman. Oh, wait, no, I'm going to say Kenneth Vermeer. Fuck Kenneth Vermeer. Was Dude pretty, was I, paid a lot of money for him. He was awful. Like, I will never forgive that Columbus crew game where they realize midway through it, he can't catch. So just keep <laughs> kicking the ball at him and he's eventually going to spill a rebound to you. That guy yeah. that just sold a bill. Of, like if there's any player that's just emblematic of the, of the uh, Gerard Nightcamp regime, it's Kenneth Vermeer. Just yeah. absolutely awful. I believe the responsibility for that one lays at the feet of Yapstam. Uh, there's been reporting, I think from multiple people, that FC Cincinnati had was offered a um, a very a, a a very doable deal for an MLS starting goalkeeper yeah. that we have strong reason to believe was Dane St Clair. Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> Dane St Clair, a uh, MLS All Star last season. In case you were keeping track at home, there. Um, I think uh, honorable mentions certainly go for Sim De Young for very similar reasons as Kenneth Vermeer, and not to let the USL flop of the of the USL days go without mention. Aiden Quinn was a USL MVP candidate the year before FCC, the year after FCC, but with FCC was the guy who missed the penalty against Chicago Fire and was just never that good. So there you go. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna bring this I'm gonna bring this guy up real fast because please. I watched the video. Uh, pretty recently, um, they signed a guy named Andy Craven. I think oh. the first season, <laughs> uh, he tried to kill a guy on the field, and then they kind of put him on like they kind of put him away. They, they started to Tulsa, didn't they? 
they like, traded him. him for some guy named Danny Koenig. So, oh, there you go. Andy Craven gave us Danny Koenig. Danny Koenig. Danny Koenig. I may ask Jonah for that drop. Uh, best value for money signing. I mean, Roman Zalantano. It's got to be Vasquez, right? One hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. It's Vasquez. You know, it's, 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 it's really it's Vasquez it's, or Roman. It's telling that we had a lot of answers for worst ever player, and we don't have a lot of great <laughs> answers for best value. <laughs> best, yeah. I mean, uh, Obi. I mean, it's, it's no, a lot of money. Obi, oh, they paid. They paid. I, I'd say they paid fair value for mm-hmm. Obi's a very, a very good fair value contract. All right, I'll, I'll throw it out there. The, the player that was the best value, because no matter what they paid him, it wasn't enough for what a presence he was around town. That's Mitch Hildebrandt. Like, there isn't a dollar amount worth, yeah. there, there isn't a dollar amount you can put on the marketing value of an entire stadium chanting, Mitch says no Is in a minor he, league team. As of... January 24th, 2023. Is he the most famous FC Cincinnati player? Yeah, I think so. I think that if you if you polled the city of Cincinnati in said, Cincinnati. In yeah. Cincinnati and said name four FC Cincinnati players, I guarantee you his name would appear on the most lists, even though he hasn't played here in four or five years. Him, Jimmy, and Ledesma all strike me as guys like that. I think those Ledesma. Are guys, those are guys my wife can name. Yeah. And that means they're extremely famous. Yeah. And I think that like Ledesma is famous among people that follow FC Cincinnati. I think people that have just gone to a game or two here or there. I think no, that's Mitch. the that Mitch. And I don't think there's anyone yeah. else they could name on any of the teams. Uh, Ledesma sneaky pick for best value money just because he was a USL MVP and was also like one of the only good players in 2019. So um, he couldn't have been making that much. And then, uh, I mean, biggest ever flop. I mean, you just run back through our worst players. So here's a name we didn't bring up. Kamahilo Makocho. Yeah. Yeah. He's up there. Teton, huge flop for what they paid for him. Similar reasons to Vermeer. Um, Darren Maddox, Fataya Lache. Darren Maddox scored some goals. Maddox was actually, other than Ledesma, probably the next best player on that twenty nineteen. Uh, I would go. I would go Makocho biggest flop because we were promised essentially Woboto. Yeah, like, and the player who never reached his potential. I think we're just too young of a club to really have this. I think it's Jurgen Lacadia. Yeah, I was gonna say Lacadia. Oh, that's a good. Except that's a good one. The only thing that is my hesitation there is that like he never went on elsewhere and realized that potential, which makes me wonder if that potential just isn't there at all to be reached. But yeah, I mean, he Didn't seemed he like, like he... a decent half season at Hoffenheim. Or, he no, a... not Hoffenheim. Uh, shit, what was that club? Um, it's one. It's. Oh, it was the bottom feeder. Yeah. Ba- not Banfield. That's in Argentina, but something like that. Oh, yeah, it was Hoffenheim. Yeah. Oh. So- yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, he played at Hoffenheim? Before he came here. Yeah. After, oh. af- oh, before he came. Yeah, before he came here. You're right. Okay. Yeah. 
that was the weird he was on loan from brighton so it, it actually required like his loan to be terminated then brighton to recall him and then for him to be oh after us was bokum bokum that's who it is and he started with a b um but he did like score in his debut yeah, Lacadia, I think, cl- clearly has a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly was also put in a situation that was not in any way, shape, or form prepared to use the talent, much less, <laughs> much less yeah. maximize it. All right, so Frankie here's and Maya, also here's, one who never reached his potential, at least with us. Yeah, here's a uh, here's a controversial take. What about Yuya Kubo? Because he's been a solid player for FC Cincinnati, but nowhere near what was promised or how he was advertised when he was signed as a DP originally as a goal scoring forward wing type hybrid. And now he's kind of transitioned into a somewhat defensive mid jack of all trades. And he's been good, but like the potential hasn't been nearly there for what we were promised when he was signed. I just refuse to blame him. (laughs) I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying he didn't reach the potential. I just don't want to label him just because I assume it's all Yopstom's fault. And I have zero reason to actually believe that, but that's how it feels in my heart. And I don't want to call him a flop or a a disappointment or or anything like that. I mean, biggest flop might be Yopstom, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a huge name to come in. Not that he had, you know, a pristine record before us, but I don't know. Might have expected more from a literal legend of the game. Um, So other than that, uh, we were going to touch on this, and I I think it it bears mentioning here. uh, Vox Media has decided to scrap. I don't know if we've ever gotten a full body count here, but they've decided to scrap virtually every MLS SB Nation soccer blog. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but before the post became the post, I had reached out to SB Nation about the viability of creating an FC Cincinnati page and they had turned us down. And so uh the the post ended up taking on a new a new state of being. But there was a uh, there was maybe a shot that the post could have been an SB Nation FC Cincinnati blog. It would have been a little different. Probably would have published more written articles by now. But um it's uh it's sad to see this go. It's sad to see fan media disappear and in a lot of markets and a lot of places those SB Nation blogs are virtually the only place you could get MLS coverage there's so many MLS teams don't have a Pat Brennan let alone a Laurel Failer or a Cincinnati Soccer Talk that isn't a fan run supporters group uh, adjacent outlet even things like FC Dallas in the entire massive city that is Dallas like one of the most reliable sources of news is third degree burn which i believe is an offshoot of one of the supporters groups down there and that's just who covers the one team in one of the largest american cities um it's super disappointing to see this happen it's super disappointing to see this happen in a league that is desperate for media attention or at least should be desperate for media attention and I don't know who's going to be appearing in these press conferences right now. If you ever look at like an FC Cincinnati press conference, 
Half the questions are asked by club employees. They're just feeding the coach questions. It's super frustrating to see this happen. And as a, yeah, as a independent fan run fan focused outlet, that's all I'll call us. Um, yeah, it's just sad, sad to see it go. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts, but I wanted to little little rant out there. Yeah, MLS is tough because there, there's not as people have pointed out on Twitter, there's not a great ecosystem for like legacy media covering yeah. the league. And um, you know, we we are lucky because we have two basically full-time beat writers on the team. Yeah. That you know, and but in in other cities, as I understand it, there might not even be a beat writer that covers the MLS team. And then so much of the journalism around the, around the league is by either current legal league employees or former league employees right. Right. who have you know, <laughs> you know they're you know and there's there's problems or limit let's say limitations with that right yep yeah um. Stay-run media. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so uh, SB Nation was a good place for a lot of good team-centered uh, uh, websites to kind of blossom under a adjacent-to-legacy media umbrella yeah. that gave it some credibility. And, you know, something like The Post... Um, is independent so it's not subject to the whims of like vox media right but like also like is it good i don't know <laughs> it's, no it's this is not this is not good it's no, like, no, no be, i mean oh. no is is the post good oh is the post good no the <laughs> no, post is no. terrible it's and independent it's like, and that's the only good thing about it the, right the, the real hard part about like being serious, which I'm not good at for a second. Um, the, the tough part of this is that, yeah, you've got the post here, but like we don't pay. None of us make any money doing this. It costs us money to run the servers. Like <laughs> we've never seen a dime in advertising dollars at all. We yeah. haven't asked for it, but like it's not forthcoming. If you're listening to this show, congratulations. You're one of the lucky few that bothers right. to download on a regular basis. We're not reaching thousands or millions of people doing this um what sucks about losing sb nation and with this greater you know consolidation and everything is a bottom line line item to remove and chase a higher quarterly profit is it, it sucks on a number of fronts number one sb nation websites paid they didn't pay yeah. a lot but it was paying work for journalism for soccer people and if you were interested in writing about soccer but you didn't have the wherewithal to build out your own site to you know, chase things down by yourself. You could sign on with an SB Nation site and you could get gig work writing for soccer and you could get bylines writing for soccer. And, you know, if you were lucky enough and you were good enough, you could parlay that into doing other things. And so this is now, what are we, what are there, 26 MLS clubs, 28 MLS clubs right now? How many, Gee, how many clubs in this damn league? 29. So 29. So if you figured there was like an SB Nation blog for about like 25, 24 of the clubs in this league, that's 24 fewer soccer jobs or 20, 48 fewer jobs in soccer writing that pay. And that's 48 fewer people that are going to go into the profession. That's 48 fewer people that are going to be the next generation of soccer writers in this country. Um, 
it sucks too because MLS is about to go behind a paywall. And, you know, we've talked at length on this podcast about the idea that, well, you know, the league's already kind of behind a paywall in most places because you have to have ESPN, you have to have whatever channel your local team is on. But this is a league that's going to be desperate for media coverage. It's going to be desperate for people talking about it. It's going to be desperate for people to write about it in places. SB Nation sites are all free. They're, they're not behind paywalls. They're not like, you know, I like the content Laurel puts out. Um, she's a great asset for the community. Her stuff's behind a paywall. Right now in Cincinnati, there's only one person you can read that's mostly still free, and that's Pat Brennan. Even a lot of his stuff is behind a paywall now, too. Um, yeah. There are very few places in media anymore where you can get free coverage about MLS. The NFL, there's tons of free coverage about the NFL. There's tons of free baseball coverage. There's tons of free basketball coverage. There is not a lot of free, truly free MLS media coverage. And for a league that's about to have all its games be not free, I just, I look at the landscape of things and this is one of those, like, okay, you don't like MLS state-run media. You don't like the fact that like a lot of these team employees are feeding questions to one another. But this is one of those things where if I'm MLS and I'm Apple, I'm looking and asking some questions about, can we get some seed money together start some shell corporation and quietly finance starting another backheeled or another, you know, world soccer talk or soccer America, and just start creating some jobs for some of these people and get some people that want to run something like this and create something that's an unaffiliated with MLS, but financed by some of the same people involved in the Apple and the MLS landscape, just to find another outlet for coverage. Because there's just not a lot of places to read about MLS, and that's not a great sign for this league. And it's not healthy when you go looking for FC Cincinnati content, and there's not a lot of sources. And we're lucky. We are one of the lucky people that have yes. multiple beat writers covering this, and there's just not a lot being written about this league and this team. Right. Yeah, if you want to watch uh, YouTube videos about the Bengals, there's any number of content creators. There's podcasts. There's local radio shows. There's local TV shows about this that are produced by our local stations. Like, I mean, there are, yeah. The bi- the biggest name in pro wrestling media is a Bengals fan. He started his own Bengals vlog podcast. It's already got like 30,000 subscribers. Like, people do that for the NFL. There's right. all sorts of crossover, but like, that doesn't exist in MLS. And if that doesn't exist, if something doesn't exist with organically, you know, every so often you got to astroturf something. You got to like create the grassroots movement and you've got to create the environment that allows that to flourish. And that means doing things like, you know, inviting fan run media to your press conferences to get different voices in the room. It means doing things like the league starting initiative to get more writing and more content about the league and getting more access to players, to coaches, to training, just to give these people, you know, hey, you might have a fan run media site that they all work nine to fives. Like spoiler alert, everyone in this podcast has a real job. That's why we recorded. It's like 1030 right now. and We're still recording this damn (laughs) podcast. Um, More opportunities to let people that have a second gig that they a hobby, they like writing for soccer, get content about your league, do something to get more people talking about this fucking league. Yeah. I, and I'll say too, like, I love doing the post. I I love this. It's a, it's a fun hobby and I'm happy to pay what it costs, but uh, there are times where I like feel guilty about offering FC Cincinnati content for free because like, 
there's so few jobs that like I don't know if you're reading or listening to us are you not paying Laurel for her cut like should there are we taking a a paycheck away from somebody else who could be doing this with paid stuff and then I I look around MLS and see no that's not a guarantee just because a free site exists does not mean uh that a paid site can't or vice versa and um no I mean it's it's super frustrating and as Chief said um I mean I'm I'll I'll jump on that grenade and say that uh, FC Cincinnati at times has been outright hostile to fan media. I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but, uh, you know, even even Laurel and Pat have had their hands slapped by the club. Cincinnati Soccer Talk has been threatened. I know we are not the only uh, fan podcast that had some degree of access that was revoked later on. So, yeah, just super frustrating that you would think that a league that is trying to grow would be outright hostile to any attempts to cover it and again to cover it for free you know if we were charging a 20 dollars cover i don't know maybe i'd feel differently about that treatment well, I mean, but hey nobody would pay I mean, let's... <laughs> of course <laughs> i mean there have been times i'm not gonna lie we've thought about like kicking around a one dollar you know patreon like tip jar thing or something and even then i'm like ah i don't want the obligation to then make content if somebody's putting actual cash towards this so (laughs) i always like the idea that we can turn it off (laughs) i would feel the need to prep for these shows if people were paying for it and i'm just i'm not willing to make that commitment i got the u.s uh, the U.S.'s opponent wrong. They play tomorrow. <laughs> That's how well prepared I am over here. <laughs> I, oh, it's just yeah. it's it's endlessly it's frustrating. It's frustrating that MLS doesn't get this. That they are still behaving. It's the problem with the problem with MLS. So much of what's wrong with MLS traces back to the fact that there are too many people in the room that are former NFL people, yep. and they still operate from this mindset that they are entitled to the same recognition and the same attention as the quote-unquote big four sports leagues. And man, you are a rogue upstart of a league that hasn't isn't barely old enough to shave in terms of <laughs> sports league age, yeah. playing a sport that is unquestionably the fourth most popular sport in this country. And you've just got to do things differently to get attention. And yeah, would the Bengals invite in the Jungle Roar podcast to talk to players or have guests they don't need to mls does but also they might i mean it's not like there haven't been tons of you know independent nfl uh bloggers and folks who have you know through i guess assume i assume mostly perseverance uh elevated themselves into the into the world of you know like real media where they are I mean, fucking I know I know he played in the league but like Pat McAfee is like a YouTube show and he was hosting a uh, uh, parallel stream of the uh, Ohio State Georgia game on like ESPN too. Yeah. yeah yeah and was being courted by any number of broadcasters to get him and to you be... had like stuff yeah. like Barstool has come up and um, I don't know. It's like I feel like every time I see some random new blue check guy on uh, Twitter t- tweeting about the NFL or publishing a video about the NFL, like I click on his on his uh, uh, bio and he's just like a blogger or podcaster. 
Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't I don't want this to come off like saying that I'm I'm mad that the post doesn't have access. I'm more mad that I'm more (laughs) mad that CST has to fight for this. I mean, those dudes over at CST, like they have been carrying the flag for this team and carrying the flag for talking about this team and trying to be objective in some ways, fan oriented in other ways. There's been something for everyone with CST since basically day one on this club. And the fact that they ever have to beg for access or use back channels for access to things is is absurd. And honestly, as a fan of this club, you should be kind of offended that they're not going out of their way to scratch the backs of the people that have really helped build awareness and interest for this club the way CST has. Yeah, well, MLS needs is going to need and you made this point but MLS is going to need like. Grass, a grassroots media movement, because big media is not is not going to just start covering major league soccer um until it experiences some type of exponential growth um and, even and that even requires then, some even like then, yeah. weird i'm not saying like we're gonna do it right but like no, right it's clearly not but, us <laughs> but <laughs> it is good it, it it does require like diverse independent different kinds of voices and treatment of of coverage of the league and um, but you can you know, talk about CST. Remember one year, CST, like Bill Wolf went down to Florida yeah. to, to training yeah, camp. Paid his own and, way. <laughs> and and from what from what I understand, and anybody, you know, send me a DM, correct me if I'm wrong. When they suggested that that happen, the club had like not even considered like <laughs> somebody covering, you know, interviewing players and going down to 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 preseason and providing some preseason coverage. And then, um, again, I, this is in my head for some reason. I don't know if it's entirely true, but this is what I understand to be true. And somebody shoot me a DM, tell me I fucked this up. I think like after one year, the club just said, club just said, oh, great idea. We're just going to do it. You can't come anymore. Yeah. 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 My understanding. And to your point, Grayson, this, is, this can't be brought up enough, honestly. The, cl- the MLS is about to get a reality check if they don't understand how ESPN does business, they need to watch what happened to the NHL when the yep. NHL signed a deal with NBC Sports. You couldn't find NHL coverage on SportsCenter or on ESPN with a search warrant. It was limited to just Barry Melrose with one minute of coverage on a nightly basis on SportsCenter. They didn't want to talk about it because ESPN only wants to talk about properties that they own that they televise and that they can use synergy to draw viewers to and move viewers to. And if they don't have MLS coverage, MLS is never going to be mentioned on ESPN going forward. Yeah. Yeah. ABC, the entire ecosystem has no rights. Fox has weird side-by-side parallel broadcast rights. Um, and they've already cut all written content from their sports pages. I don't know if they've committed to that, but they did that a few years back. Um, yeah, no, it's not not great, not great. If you're if you're looking for yeah NBC to do Premier League tie-ins, not for another ten years unless unless Apple buys the Premier League rights. Um, yeah, you're you're not getting any of that. So. Ah, just frustrating. I I thought about this too. If even if they gave us like, hey, you guys can come to a practice. I can't. I got a nine to five, guys. I can't go to practices to watch as the post. <laughs> if somebody lives in Milford and works from home and wants to be the post's practice writer, and we somehow get granted these rights, 
get in contact. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, that'll do it for part two. Part three, let's do a little in the 11 out of the 18 and uh, call it a pod. Let's do that. Good deal. Part three. Here we go. Everybody's favorite Indy 11 out of the we got to find <laughs> another USL team that I can I can somehow put in the last part of there. Omaha out of the, Union 18. <laughs> out of the Tulsa Roughnecks. It, I got it, Indy 11 uh, out of the Greenville SC. I don't know. <laughs> out of the sc mm, yeah we can we can work with this yeah this is this is all this is all bad <laughs> yeah it's every bit of this is terrible kill it kill it uh are you sure people wouldn't want to pay for this it's weird anyway there's no, there's no chance <laughs> dozens and dozens of listeners i am uh I'm going to put Grayson on the spot because, as I said before, I'm excited about this. Grayson, who is Indy 11 and who is out of the SC? Um, so I think there's been some kind of I think there's been some um, a lot of negative uh, mom news around the U.S. men's national team. Uh, yes, actually. And I think it's quite I think a bit, it's in fact. important. I think it's also important to highlight the uplifting stories you know the yes. things that, that you look at and you say oh that's nice that's nice and uh so for my indie 11 this week i'm <laughs> highlighting uh becky zimmerman walker zimmerman's mom <laughs> oh no we're gonna do this <laughs> um oh, and i'm gonna read you a little bit of her of her bio okay oh, no. <laughs> uh, becky zimmerman has been a children's screenwriter college instructor, kindergarten teacher, actress, ventriloquist, Whoa. and spiritual director. She would say her greatest accomplishment, however, has been to raise and love three athletes, Dawson, Carter, and Walker. A plus Georgia naming, by the way. Yes. Yeah, they all sound like extras on a CW show. I just want to point a clarification. She's a children's screenwriter? Yeah, I don't really know what that means. Right, so what, what were children's the, what were, movie screenwriter? I, I, I know what that is. I, she might be she ghostwrites screenplays for children. Okay. <laughs> have, have we brought this up on the podcast before that like the number one job I want is to be a children's book author? Because most of these books are less than 100 words long and you get still paid full money for writing them. I, it, can't, My, it can't possibly be that hard to re write most of these books. Like, here is Tom. Here is Jill. They decide to go sledding. It's just like the, the simplest plot lines known. It's a hundred words. Uh, you can probably churn out 30 of these in an afternoon. Chat GPT can probably do your entire work for you. Uh, there's a, uh, I'm not going to remember the word. So I, I have to read lots of children's books. And every once in a while, you get one that was clearly written by a British author where the rhyming scheme, as you read it as an American, doesn't work. And it's just the way they pronounce it or drop an R or something that like totally changes how you read the children's books. It's been very, <laughs> very weird sometimes. <laughs> uh, um, my sister turned me on to, uh, to these. They're a uh, book series of books that are uh, they're children's books but they're incredibly inappropriately titled but otherwise are completely normal like kids stories so like the one that i ordered and i gave to a friend is uh brenda's bar beaver needs a barber 
And it's a heartwarming story about a woman with a pet beaver that just is a little overgrown and shaggy. Now you other, know. <laughs> others, other titles in the series, Put Tony's Nuts in Your Mouth, a story about a nut salesman in the park. Oh, Jesus Christ. Spank the monkey lends a hand. Come I, don't, swing, I don't like this. <laughs> come swing with us, a story about kids encouraging other kids to swing with them. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say, this is grooming. <laughs> Jiggle, <laughs> wiggle, we tickle, to, pickle. We need to call in, uh, 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 I don't, I don't know, Christopher Rufo or somebody to figure <laughs> out what's going on with this. Libs of TikTok. Brenda's, <laughs> libs of TikTok. <laughs> Brenda's beaver needs a barber. It's heartwarming. I mean, it's just like, hold on. It's, uh, I, I'm going to send the picture of the cover of the, right uh, here. The word that, that I don't want to see a picture of that cover. No. Oh, you absolutely do. It's great. It's glorious. I thought yeah. of the word that threw us off. In I'll the, see the, uh, the picture of uh, Brenda's beaver went to the barber. Come on. Who wouldn't <laughs> read this book right here? Come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, the word row, R-O-W, is what got us. Uh, because in England, they say row as in a, f- a noise, like a noisy argument or fight. And that really that really threw off a, a rhyming scheme one time. That was good. So anyway, back to uh, the names that all sound like they probably were boyfriends for Rory Gilmore in season six. Um, so, yeah. Yes. So she she calls out her three um athletes not children I'm, yeah athletes. i'm gonna sit yeah three athletes dawson carter and walker um some of her favorite things to do are walking while praying watching walker play soccer not dawson and carter though Wait, watching <laughs> hold on watching walker play soccer is a great children's book rhyme watching the good uh, one play <laughs> antiquing and loving on her grandchildren uh, so i thought that that's very nice that and nice. i came across this bio for becky zimmerman on the Amazon page for a book called Play On, a soccer story inspired by Walker Zimmerman's faith journey, where uh, uh, Becky wrote a more than 200 page, uh, I don't say young adult book. I want to say children's book, but that's a lot of pages. Teen? Um, Yeah. Teen book. Uh, And here's the uh, synopsis. Walker Zimmerman is a kid who dreams of making it big someday. Unfortunately for him, there's a lot to to learn before he gets to the pros. Who's the groundskeeper with the secret? What? (laughs) What does he have to know that before he gets to the pros? Uh, How could he lead his team to win state cup? All right. Who is God and why does he matter? Oh, Jesus. Three, oh, three, three equal, <laughs> who is three God? equal questions. And who is God? Three and will he, questions. will he be mad if you kill someone to end world hunger? Right, right. Would Walker Zimmerman murder an innocent person to end world hunger? <laughs> I want to I want to point out that in this synopsis, like, yes, it does make the question of who is God and why does he matter? Which are two questions. It makes it seem like kind of equally as important as how can he lead his team to win state cup? Um, but also these are all prefaced with unfortunately right yes so like why so what is the unfortunate thing he learns about god right is it like you learned about god the hard way god has a deep secret Uh, um so yeah it's um it's there is a there is a preview on on amazon where you can kind of see how it starts um 
Did you buy this book? No, no, I didn't. Oh. I thought I thought about it. So I'll, t- I'll tell you, I would have bought it if it was like literally a kid's book. Um, because I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is a kid's book. So I can I can buy this. But then I was like, 200 some pages. I'm not reading. That. I'm not reading that. Like, that's it's not it's too, too long for a. I cannot justify is, under any the, circumstances reading this, this book. This, this is the verbal meme of I'm sorry that happened to you or I'm, ha- I'm glad either way. I ain't reading all that. Yes. How many okay. people do you think have bought and read this book in its entirety? I don't know, but here's what I do know. Okay. okay? This is a first person narrative <laughs> told from Walker Zimmerman's perspective. So Becky Zimmerman has written a book where her son is the main character in the narrators. She's speaking. I don't like as this. her son. And um, when he's a, when he's a high schooler, I really and, don't like this. <laughs> um, so I just think it's I just think it's interesting. I also think it's like totally like nice, right? And Walker has written a little um okay. a note, note. That was my next question. Is does Walker know that she wrote Yeah, this? he wrote he wrote a note <laughs> at the beginning of the book. Um that's but that's not as interesting as his mom's note. Okay. <laughs> she wrote a note to her own book. Yes, this is a note from the author. Oh, okay, fairness. Okay. <laughs> Um, what if you found a treasure that would give you keys to live a joyful life and also up your soccer game? What if this book was a map to that treasure? <laughs> what if it you isn't? May have, yeah, right. You may have picked up this book because you love soccer or Walker Zimmerman or spiritual things. I love them all. I am Walker Zimmerman's mom. <laughs> As I took the soccer journey with Walker, I came to love his teammates and the game. And this is really important. I want everyone to listen to this next two sentences, okay? <laughs> then two World Cups ago, I had a dream about writing this book. I think it was God's idea. <laughs> I just think that's nice. I really do. I really do think it's like, I mean, it's crazy. It took, it, it was like two World Cups ago that like God told her to write this book. And God's like, totally get on long. with it. <laughs> yeah, if God gave me an idea, I'd I'd be a little more prompt. <laughs> um, and you know, and I I don't. I, it's hard to talk about it because there's like so much going on, even in this <laughs> even in this excerpt. Um, but I want to talk about two things. Please, two two, two things. Um, goes and I guess I'll, I guess <laughs> I'll, I guess I'll field questions. The floor is yours, Grayson. <laughs> um, so so at the beginning of the book, uh, Walker's injured and he's dealing with like sitting on the bench, and he sits for a long time with Mo the groundskeeper. Like there's this moment where you know he sits down and then he says, "An hour after my burger was gone." I was still in the chair spilling my frustrations and injury fears to Mo. Um, and then um, there's a segment here. Mo leaned forward in his chair and pulled a small black book from his pocket. It's time, he smiled. Time for what? I asked. Time for you to know that you don't sit on the bench alone, that the one who made you and those injured feet of yours is with you, hears you, and has some new things to teach you about the game and life. And Mo gives him a Bible. Like he was sitting in, like under a tree and just he gives Walker Zimmerman a Bible from his pocket. This is the guy who's cutting the grass on the soccer field at the school. And I. 
I just so, I don't know what to I don't know what to make of it. And then Walker Zimmerman asked, "But God, if you were really with me, why was there only one pair of boots in the dressing room?" <laughs> well, and and the Bible. So the the Bible also includes a little piece of paper that seems to be a mo- a poem. Oh God! That Mo wrote specifically for Walker. Oh, that's so creepy. I'd be it's so called, upset. It's called the it's called the soccer pause. Um, and it's Is about the poem you know, in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. I'm not going to read it. Okay, please don't. Is it about pro rel? Because that would be incredible. <laughs> Mo's a pro rel truther <laughs> trying to recruit Walker Zimmerman. All right, all right. So scale of one to tasteless. Where would it be? if we just got a copy of this book and instructed all of the capos at the next game, Walker Zimmerman plays at FC Cincinnati oh my just God. to turn the speakers towards the field and just oh read God. Walker Zimmerman's book to him oh on my the God. field. I'm oh not, I'm not against it. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh my God. Just start we at need page to put, one and just go all the way through. <laughs> we need to put choice excerpts up on the, uh, the big screen before the game. Oh my God. Um, so there's this, there's a character in this book, uh, named Paul, who for some reason is on the soccer team, but is also this absolute fat slob that Walker Zimmerman's mom clearly hates. Um, cause it's like, we see him and he's on the bench and, um, and then, you know, he'd say like, I'd sat next to I'd sat next to Paul on the bench during my injury and noticed that he actually liked being on the bench. He was generally upbeat at least until practice started. Then the grumbling began. If I was supposed to play soccer, I would be like you guys. Paul rummaged through his backpack, hunting hard for something. He pulled out a melted devil's food snack cake. <laughs> what are you, what what are you is talking this about? Book? What are you talking about? I threw my sweaty jersey over Paul's face. He cursed and hurled it back at me. You know, muscles like Clint, fast like Nikki, athletic like you, chick magnet like Jack. Paul sighed. He plopped beside his bag, put his cake beside him, and guzzled water from a milk jug that had Paul written in black marker across the middle. Water (laughs) dribbled down his double chin and onto his pink puffy neck. I wished Paul would like soccer. That's like the end of it. So like Walker's Zimmerman is like literally looking at this guy in this book, looking from, remember it's from his perspective, right? Yes. So he's watching this person who he is repulsed by, right? Yeah. Dribble like dribble water from a milk, a milk jug, jug. down his, down jubble, his, his double down chin. His double chin. And then his his first thought is, I wished Paul would like soccer. <laughs> who is also <laughs> a teammate of a team that he had the choice of signing up for. I I was thinking about this, Grayson. If the groundskeeper is how fictional uh, Walker learns about God and Jesus, this does make Walker's mom godless in the book, since clearly he didn't learn about religion from his family or his upbringing. And that's interesting. She took one for the team here. Maybe that's explained outside of the outside of the free sample on Amazon. We we have to just guess at the plot at this point. I like it the better this way. <laughs> that's incredible. So yeah, that's... I mean, I, look, this. I, I just thought I just thought this was nice. Like yes, like many things. <laughs> this is nice. It's, it was nice. So it's got there's there's funny elements. 
yeah, uh, I, I will. I will admit I, this was teased before we started recording. But Grayson is—is is there a? I don't know how to phrase it because they are—they are, I guess, children in this. Is there a romantic scene in the book? So they're te- they're teenagers, right? Right. Um, I'm not in the free ex- excerpt, although there are the seeds planted, um, <laughs> of a uh, of. A Walker groundskeeper romance. Of, of a, of, of a... <laughs> well, the, the online community has been shipping them for years. Yeah, it's a little bit of slash bit going on right here. <laughs> yeah, so because um, there is a there is a character named Ashley Reynolds who carries around a miniature schnauzer and watches the boys play soccer. Um, and Uh-oh. Walker seems to be pay some attention. He, he definitely seems to notice her um, watching them play. shit so is is god out of the 18 now because we're yeah, clearly we're... clowning on his relationship with walker zimmerman no and i want to be clear we're not clowning on anybody's relationship with god no um, we are clowning on this book though we're clowning a little bit we're clowning a little bit on this book and the way some things are something sometimes you write something and it's earnest but it also is funny all right yeah. and that's that's where i'm gonna leave it in my 11. <laughs> and, and and out of the 18 <laughs> uh neutral site playoff games yeah 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 fuck it uh i also, know the nfl really wanted to do that neutral site afc championship game in atlanta i'm glad they don't get to do it and i think it's a fucking terrible idea um i think having a home team during the playoffs is super fun i think it's fun as a home fan and i think it's fun as an away fan so I'm a big fan of they were talking about all the things they were going to do because of the tie game or the no game where there was an uneven schedule. Yeah. I am in one of the solutions that they had thought up, and I'm a huge fan of this, is that if you get the number one seed in either the AFC, or the NFC, you have to either choose home field advantage or a bye week that you can't get both. And you have to decide that. which one is more important to you. So from that standpoint, I never want neutral site games. Because I want teams to have to wrestle with this choice of do we want all our games at home or do we want the extra week of rest for all our players? You take the bye week 10 out of 10 for me. I'd never I'd never look back. The chance of being upset in the first round is far greater than the increased likelihood of you losing a game later on the road. Sure. But I love the idea that that comes with a consequence that like, okay, you can take the bye week, but like the number two seed now gets home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And you may be agreeing to go someplace really nasty to play a game, especially if like you're a team down in Florida or you're a dome team and you're like, okay, I might be signing up for a trip to Buffalo. (laughs) No chance. Yeah. I mentioned this to somebody at work and they, we're adamantly home field advantage. So <laughs> I don't understand. Um, Chief in the 11. What is uh, it in the 11 this week is network television. Um, hey. So this is the one time a year really where I pay very close attention to football games with the sound on because there's only one game happening and I'm not flipping around at commercial breaks like I am usually. So when you watch the playoffs for any sport, you're forced to sit there and watch the game. And it's during this time that I truly learned how many network TV shows there are out there that I don't watch and that I've never <laughs> seen a minute of. Like, yes. I am genuinely interested 
to know any person alive who has watched a minute of Ghosts. Like, I see the preview <laughs> for it constantly on CBS. I don't know a soul that has watched this show. It looks painfully unfunny. And yet, somehow, this is now the third or fourth year in a row I've been watching NFL games, and they've been desperately attempting me, attempting to get me to put on the television to watch an episode of Ghosts. I'm not going to do it. I don't know anyone that watches it. Um, yet, they keep trying, and I guess they deserve some credit for that. So... I've not seen the ghosts that they're advertising. There's a British show that that one's based on. Of course mm-hmm. there is. And you can watch the British uh, show on HBO Max. It's very funny. <laughs> the, the American show looks dumb as shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the British one, the British one is, is, is very funny. But, other- um, you know what people do watch? I was watching, there's so many of those acronym shows. So somebody somebody watches like all the FBI's, all the NCIS, the most Ch- wanted, Chicago all the CSI's, Fire the whole PD. Chicago yeah. universe. There's an entire there's somebody who watches TV. all of those. <laughs> yeah, it's everyone's grandmother. And then the other thing I noticed too is that like every one of these shows that are coming out, they're all reboots. Like there's a new Magnum yes. PI coming out. Yeah, there was another one that I can't think of. Like, they, like there was another one that was like, holy shit. There's a just Walker making- Texas Ranger one. Is there a Texas Ranger one coming out too? There's, there's, a, there's a there's a show. I think it's called Walker. Oh Ooh, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, like a young yeah, like a young yeah. Walker Texas Ranger. There's um there was another one that's coming out. This is straight. Oh, Night Court. Night Court is coming yes. back. Yes, <laughs> I put that one in my eleven. <laughs> Night Court. I've been to Night Court. I, it's not that much fun. It's really I've been depressing. About that for and years. no one has like, car when insurance. When are they going to bring back Night Court? <laughs> Only if they recreate that scene where they have to process everybody by midnight or whatever. That was, was a good moment in TV history. Yeah. Government never works that quick in real life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so in my 11 network television, um, in a similar vein, out of the 18, uh, John Keyswetter. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, John Keyswetter uh, was, your parents might have read him in the Cincinnati Enquirer. He was a man who couldn't make it on television and radio and decided to do the next best thing. And that's get a job at the newspaper writing about television and radio. (laughs) And um, it's just a painful stick in the mud has always been a painful stick in the mud. Nobody missed him when he got fired from the Inquirer because nobody read his nonsense. And like most failed reporters somehow ends up on the public dole at NPR. And um, (laughs) I'm kidding. I love NPR. Um, He writes a column, and at the risk of sealing Grayson's bit about soccer blog book club, I'm going to go through a little bit of this. With your permission, Kevin, with your permission, Grayson? Please. Absolutely. I'm still going to publish my thing on the website. Good. All right. (laughs) Opinion. Who do you think going to stop this TV silliness? Nobody. Um, And the the caption picture is a noted fan of the, uh, the podcast. Uh, Brad from WKRC TV, meteorologist extraordinaire. Um, here's the column: Cincinnati TV news is filled with frivolous features and inane comments about the Bengals playoffs again. When the Cincinnati Bengals win a playoff game, TV news teams lose their minds. "Quote: The adrenaline is still pumping from last night, so I'm not even cold here." WXIX TV reporter Lauren Miner said outside an empty Paycor Stadium Monday morning. That might be a lie, she quickly added. 
This is the low standard of journalism that has polluted the Cincinnati Airways <laughs> since the Bengals made the playoffs last year. Breaking oh. news has been replaced by unabashed Bengal mania. So what, what absolutely kills me about that is he's making quite a bold claim there, right? He's saying that, um, that since the playoffs last year, that the playoffs last year caused a steep decline in the total quality of Cincinnati <laughs> journalism. Just and that important the stories, important stories are being ignored and unreported because this woman went outside Paycor Stadium the day after a playoff game. And joked about not being cold, mind right. you. That was the, the unforgivable sin. Rob Braun and Kit Andrews would never allow this to happen. Anyway, the story continues. On WLWT-TV Monday morning, anchor Kelly Rippon was talking about how the Bengals' 27-10 victory over the Buffalo Bills leads to a rematch against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship this weekend. Last year, the Bengals won in overtime and advanced to the Super Bowl. Quote, Damn, that sounds like we, news. Right. We can do it. <laughs> we know we can do it, Rippon said. That's how WLWTV, WLWT-TV is leading the way, to quote the station's slogan. Last week, oh the television gosh. airwaves were filled with breathless live reports from Western New York about Buffalo Wings and Bengals fans by more than a dozen Cincinnati news anchors, reporters, meteorologists, and yes, even some TV sports reporters. Kansas City, here we come. While interviewing Cincinnati fans outside the Bills' Highmark Stadium after the game, WKRC-TV's Adam Clements told viewers, this is how we elevate ourselves. This is the best fan base in the NFL. Just the facts, ma'am, has been replaced by just the fanaticism. <laughs> because nothing makes your point better than quoting a television show that aired in the 1950s and the 1960s as the gold standard of how to do business. This is a fun companion piece to that Guardian thing we did oh, about thousand percent. <laughs> because because this guy, um, well, the Guardian guy had the good had the good sense to just come out and say, I find all these people super annoying. Right. Kisawater clearly just finds all of these people really annoying, but th that's not good enough right. for column space. So he needs to pretend that there's some overarching thing to be said about like the quality of 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 local journalism. And this has and this has caused it's not like just like a symptom of some crisis. He says this has the caused. Cause. Yeah, this is the cause of the crisis <laughs> in local journalism. And I just find that incredibly wild and pompous and weird. So I I love this. Uh, I, I went onto his Twitter account and I knew if I scrolled back far enough, I could I could find some hypocrisy. And I did. But I do want to say shouts to this guy for uh, not having a banner image. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he, he set up a Twitter profile whenever 2010 and just never looked back. Um, but just uh, what are we talking? <laughs> what are we at? 13 days ago? He tweets, congratulations, Chris Walsh, on being named Ohio Sportscaster of the Year after 30 years. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. John, his beat is the media, and he's cheering for a member of the media to win an award. 
by his own metric here, by his own grading system, he is out here being not objective and and cheerleading. And I understand he's a columnist, but you know, he's he represents WVXU and he's out here, he's out here being a cheerleader for the people he's supposed to be covering. I don't know. I don't know, man. It seems a little little hypocritical to me. He goes on in this article, and I'm not going to read the entire thing, where he makes fun, he critiques what people are wearing, that they're wearing too much orange. Like, apparently orange is banned from your wardrobe if you're going to be a capital J journo. Yeah. And um, criticizing the amount of times Who Day has said. Um, so I'm going to skip to the end right here. Um, here we go here. Who really knows what will happen next Sunday in Kansas City? It turns out that the predictions of the Bills-Bengals rematch from January 2nd's Monday Night Football game would be a very close contest, were as wrong as the forecast saying Cincinnati would only get a couple inches of snow Sunday morning and washed away by afternoon rain. If this Sunday's weather will be a carbon copy of yesterday, does that mean the meteorologist's forecast will be wildly inaccurate again? Here's one safe prediction. The TV stations will go crazy with Bengals coverage this week from Kansas City. Stations will promise, quote, complete coverage even though WKRC-TV will have the most complete coverage because Channel 12 is the only Cincinnati station that will broadcast the game. The other stations can give us complete coverage of fans and food in Kansas City, but not the game. And isn't that <laughs> the most important thing? <laughs> oh my gosh. I... And here's another prediction. Cincinnati's TV stations will send a small army to invade Kansas City in a few days for live reports on newscasts until the 6.30 p.m. cut Sunday tickoff. Bengals fans who love the tailgate before the game could turn this into a drinking game. They could take a drink every time they see a stationary live report from Kansas City. The really hardcore fans could take a drink every time they see a TV news anchor, reporter, meteorologist, or sportscaster wearing orange. But they might pass out well before kickoff. WXIX source director Joe Daneman predicted from Buffalo that the Bengals Chiefs AFC Championship game will be, quote, a classic in Kansas City. Then he added, it's going to be a talker all week long. I'm afraid he might be right about that. <laughs> so let me say let me this just... to you, John Keyswetter, because I know you're a listener, like everyone is in this town. Um, Especially at this point in the pod. <laughs> fuck you. You are a small, unimportant little man who couldn't make it on the airwaves and have now been reduced in your later years to covering with the spite of a bitter old person that never made it. You have no fun. You have a poopy pants that you are wearing around. And for the love of Christ, <laughs> just enjoy this. I'm not even a Bengals fan, and I'm still enjoying this a little bit. God, stop being such an insufferable twat. If you like need the news to be so goddamn serious all the goddamn time, then go work for you know ProPublica or go work for The Guardian. Get the fuck out of Cincinnati. Your I think station looks good in his yeah, orange blazer. He looks great. Your station NPR conducts a traffic report every day where um, that Bill Reinhardt whimsically announces objects in the roadway. Is he not a serious reporter because he has a little bit of fun during the traffic broadcast? Where's the sanctimony about his act? Fuck off. <laughs> the, the entire weekend programming that is all fun and games. Yeah, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Sports are virtually the only shared culture we have as a culture in a media-consuming uh, since every streaming platform has balkanized watching content. Nobody watches the same TV shows or sees the same movies anymore. Sports is the one unifier. And if this is what brings our community together, that's great. And you know what? 
I bet the media did dumb shit about Blink as well. And I bet they'll do dumb shit about opening day for the Reds as well. Because it's just one of the few times that we all get to have a shared moment of culture. I mean, I bet they even did Christmassy shit in December. Because, uh, you know, shared culture and all that jazz. So And also, the, the local news, they have to convince you to watch something where you've already read the headlines an hour and a half to two hours ago. Like anything they can do to get you watching at this point, because a thing called the internet exists and all the news is already out there well before you watch. Yes. Um, it, there's a point in this article where he complains that um, one of the anchors did the same Who Day bit on the 1030, 11 and 1130 shows. It's like, dude, you work for NPR. I can't be the only person who has left the radio on in the morning, just like sleeping in, trying to avoid getting up and getting ready for work. And you hear the same story like two, three times. Yes. Right. Because the first four hours of the day, they're just repeating the same news programs. And God forbid you actually uh, listen to Up First, the podcast, before you turn on the uh, the radio in the car and you get it. You get it five times if you do it that way. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, also, maybe the people who team. at 11 yeah. o'clock want to do a who day, but they didn't watch 1030. Yeah. Who watches all three half hours? Don't you just pick one? If your job is media criticism, <laughs> so you have to watch every news half hour. You have to watch the morning show and you got to watch the midday and you got to oh watch gosh. prime time and evening. I mean, I would probably turn into a raging asshole if I wasn't already, if that was my entire consumption of media. Well, he's old enough. He probably would be watching all of those news programs anyway. That's a good point. And he was I mean, picking on 19 just a lot. channel. <laughs> he's speaking on 19 because they do the 10 o'clock everybody else starts later so that's good <laughs> uh kevin in the 11 out of the 18 in my 11 the dallas cowboys <laughs> and let me tell you why bold <laughs> we talked we talked about this in the last segment about a lot of a lot of leagues especially mls likes their state-run media they they like to control the narrative i really enjoyed that the dallas cowboys tweeted this out on their their main account <laughs> dak prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow <laughs> loss to the 49ers in a matchup the cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds It'd be hard pressed to find a Cowboys fan blog that would go that hard at a Dak Prescott performance <laughs> immediately after losing a close playoff game. And uh, that's coming straight from the club. They also went after Ezekiel Elliott and uh, maybe their own owner by saying when Pollard went down, they didn't have enough playmakers on the roster. Just incredible stuff from the uh, the Cowboys Twitter feed. I really, really enjoyed that. Can you imagine if FC Cincinnati would have done that during the 2020 2019 and 2020 seasons that's that's why they got rid of charlie hatch he tried <laughs> that's why non-stop flight stops when it stops <laughs> <laughs> even they had their own limits <laughs> they couldn't talk about the demay win against montreal <laughs> it's like oh, kenneth vermeer yeah. sucks again and is unable to catch the ball ever as fc cincinnati drops a heartbreaker to columbus <laughs> <laughs> just incredible stuff I, god bless you dallas cowboys um out of my 18 i'm putting internet wi-fi routers uh out of the 18 <laughs> because I, specific here 
It's it, it is because I I have I've had this issue. I don't know if I've been incredibly unlucky or maybe we've all been dealing with this privately and it's time for all of us to come forward and complain together. Historically, maybe the weakest appliance or piece of technology in your entire house, your entire arsenal, was your printer. Printers suck ass. In most cases, it's cheaper to buy a brand new printer than it is to replace the ink cartridge inside of your printer. And printers have a terrible, terrible, terrible quality. I have had to replace my in-home router once every 15 months for like a decade now. It is absurd that a piece of equipment that doesn't have any real moving parts besides lights blinking really, I have found, really struggles at doing this job consistently, that they will just die at some point. And maybe maybe I'm not updating them properly. I like to keep my, my firmwares up to date, but I just have the worst possible luck. I've done modem router combos. I've rented from the cable company. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on my own equipment. I get the same results no matter what. Super infuriating. So routers out of the 18. I'm done with them. Is this a I've never had a problem with mine. I've never had a you problem with my router either. Bitch, you <laughs> sons of bitches. <laughs> I, got that, I got that Google Home. They gave me two. Oh, you I um must be nice. I just I just pay the five dollar <laughs> fee and get the router from Spectrum because I'm lazy oh that way. <laughs> I tried that. I tried that. I found uh, it wasn't giving me the speeds I wanted. I don't know. <laughs> I probably paid like seven hundred dollars for this router at this point, just on the number of five dollar monthly bill charges I've had. But it's still easier than figuring out how to set up my own router and what to buy and what's compatible and all that. Just now, yeah. I tell you, it's easy. And I can apparently set up, it's not. I can set them up so well. It's it's keeping them going is the tricky part here. And um, yeah, I've always had this idea. I'm not paying the rental fee five bucks a month. I do this for two years. You know, I could have bought a nice router at that point, and uh, it doesn't work if you just keep buying the router every couple of years. So, so is the is the new uh, take for 2023? We had an article ready to post on the website, but the Kevin's router went down. Yes, that is. That's as good of excuse as I can come up with. <laughs> we would have had a Patreon account, but uh, the router just it got it got lost in cyberspace. Yeah, we, our downloads have been cut in, in by ninety percent because the router went down. If only <laughs> Kevin's router worked, we would there would be people actually listening to this podcast. We'd have downloads on all of his computers, all of his phones, all of his wife's computers. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. Oh man, no! I, I, I mean, good, good postcast. I like this episode. It was, it was oh, very wait, cathartic wait, 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 wait. for me. I oh, just remembered there was that there was a, the the Lucho Brazil rumors came out today. Um, our position our position remains the same. Yes. All of this is negotiation. The clubs that were mentioned don't have a single player on no. their rosters that makes as much money as Lucho makes right now for FC Cincinnati. And God, can, can you imagine if we dropped real Lucho news at the end of all of this nonsense? <laughs> Lucho's gone. Lucho's gone. I repeat, Boca Juniors came in. He's gone. <laughs> I have I have a very good inside source. I rarely have good inside sources. I have a very good inside source that says everything about the Lucho rumors where the quote was total bullshit. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Grayson, I believe you found some verified accounts down in Brazil who were almost mocking the idea that he'd be going here. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Rest easy. Now, Vasquez rumors. Uh, 
start start worrying. But um, no, Lucha's not going the anywhere. EU start worrying. Yeah, that's fair. PSG comes calling again. All right, that's gonna do it for the postcast. I'm looking here. This might be the first sub two hour pod we've had in a long time. We're getting close <laughs> to the season starting. We gotta gotta get in shape, guys. Gotta cut we the gotta fat out. Tighten the screws a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for listening. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. One well, more random let's leave everyone with a random question to ponder. You got your book there still? Ooh, yes, I do. Uh Grayson, pick a number. One. Yep. Five. Oh, number five. We're going early. I, I jumped to the middle of the book. Number five. Oh, I love this. This is, oh my God. This is, this is very COVID. If a new medicine were developed that would cure arthritis, but cause a fatal reaction in 1% of those who took it, would you want it released to the public? Buck Columbus. <laughs> All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.